Welcome to the Flutter 101 podcast, a podcast focusing on Flutter and Dart. My name is Vince Varga, and welcome to the show. I'm very excited to share today's episode with you. My guest today was Maxim Lin. Max is a GDE, a Google developer expert in Flutter, and he's a Flutter developer. He is a passionate contributor, user, and supporter of open source software. He's also a regular speaker at technical conferences and local developer meetups. Today, we are going to talk about isolates, isolate groups, the actor model, improvements and limitations of isolates, threads, concurrency, and we will even talk a little bit about the soul of Erlang and Elixir. I also asked all of the questions about isolates that I was too embarrassed to ask before, or just was never able to really understand. It is Max's second episode on the Flutter 101 podcast. Max, if you are listening, I really appreciate you taking the time to record two episodes with me. In episode 21, Max and I were talking about WebAssembly Dart and his Dart Vasm project. In both episodes, I had these wow moments as I realized how important WebAssembly will become in the coming years in software development. I had these wow moments as I realized the potential behind the improvements to the isolates, how the isolates make Dart such a powerful language. So I really hope that you will be just as excited when you are listening to this episode as I was when we recorded it. That's enough for the intro, I guess. So let's get this started. Welcome, Max. Thank you for joining today. Thanks very much, Vince, for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, just uh, We also recorded another episode about Dart, Vasm, and AssemblyScript. So I think there I ask you to give an introduction uh, of yourself, how you got started in software development, and how you found Flutter. But in case we have listeners that didn't listen to that episode yet. Could you please briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So yeah, uh, uh, I've been working as a developer for like around um, 20 years now. Like I started off in uh, telcos doing enterprise uh, Java, like in very big projects with uh, very big teams. Um, after that, I spent a few years working at the National Gallery of Victoria here in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, like in the multimedia department. So looking after um, the website as well as all the uh, screens in the space. So touch screens, um, displays, that sort of thing. And a bit after that, I um, decided to become a freelancer because I wanted to get into uh, Android development. And so I've been doing that for uh, around 10 years now. I've also I've done some like systems Android development as part of that, as well as just the usual Android app development. And more recently, a few years ago, I discovered Flutter uh, and have been uh, doing some Flutter projects over the last couple of years primarily. So and the way I discovered Flutter, I think I mentioned it last episode, was uh, quite funny in that like I just was at um, Google I.O. for the first time in 2018 and happened to wander into this tent which had Flutter on the front of it. And yeah, like <laughs> wandered in, uh, talked to a really nice chap who I later discovered was Tim Sneath, the guy who's in charge of Flutter. And he just sort of like, yeah, started talking to me about Flutter, got me to talk to some other dev role people. And that, yeah, was pretty much my epiphany. It got me uh, hooked on Flutter. I came back. I was um, one of the GDG co-organizers here. So I was really involved in the community, started doing some uh, hack nights and um, Flutter study jams and so forth. And yeah, I've just been hooked on Flutter ever since. In this episode, I wanted to talk about isolates with you. Uh, you gave a very nice talk about featherweights, featherweight isolates in Flutter at uh, Flutter Engage. And I wanted to 
take this opportunity and ask a couple of questions about uh, isolates because I feel like so I, I'm a self-taught uh, software developer. I studied physics, and then I kind I just kind of learned what I had to in order to build applications and programs for companies. But I think I I might have like a blind spot for isolates and to just kind of understand why they are important or how they work. Uh, and so basically, I I want to talk about uh, isolates. Uh, so my first question would be like, what are the isolates? So, sure. Actually, we're in the same boat, Vince, because like I'm actually an electrical engineer by training, um, and I who happened to have his first job in software, and I've sort of been doing software ever since. So I'm the same. Like I've sort of been like um, learning on the job as well. Like I did a little bit of software at uni, but like yeah, that wasn't what I thought my profession was going to be. So actually, like um, before I. S- speak about isolates, I should actually mention that, like, yeah, um, my first job out of um, uni was uh, at a co-venture with a company called Ericsson, um, who did, like, you know, all the telecom equipment. So I think that'll become, like, a sort of a bit more important later on when I talk about DUD and isolates. But, um, yeah, like, isolates are essentially Dart's way of doing uh, multi-threading, but in a very interesting way. They, they follow... Uh, what's called the actor model. So I, they literally, as the name suggests, they're completely isolated. So um, it's not just that you get different uh, or separate threads to run on. So you get con- um, concurrent um, execution that way. But data isolates share nothing. So they have their own heap. Uh, they have their own thread. But... Um, they're completely independent of each other. So they can't, apart from sending messages to one another, communicate in any way. There's no shared memory, I think is, the, I guess, the key thing. So they're very much isolated. So it's unlike, say, in other languages like, say, um, Java, where threads do share the same memory, they can just um, pass uh, memory between each other. Uh, isolates in Dart, uh, the only way they can communicate with each other is via message passing, essentially. And it's asynchronous message passing at that. Okay. I, I think that immediately brings to one of my questions that I had for a long time, and it was always confusing. That So basically, Dart is single-threaded, but we have isolates that are similar to threads, except they don't share memory. So is Dart still single-threaded if I can spawn an isolate? Or where is my confusion coming from? Yes, it's actually a very good thing. That's like what confused me at first with Dart as well is because it was just like I thought of it like JavaScript. It's, there's just a single run loop. There's a single thread. There's no multi-threading. But yeah, essentially isolates are a way to get multi-threading in Dart. So you still have um, a single thread. You still have the run loop, but there's one of those per isolate. So if you never spawn a new isolate, if you only have essentially the isolate that you're given at the start of when your main, you know, your main function gets executed, that's the main isolate that um, gets created for you. And that's where there's a single thread and that thread runs in a, in like, you know, the typical run loop and that's all you have. So unless you explicitly spawn new isolates, that's, you still, Dart isn't multi-threaded. It's single-threaded with a run loop. But when you start spawning new isolates, that's essentially when you get these 
uh, or get access, if you like, to these uh, extra threads. It's some, somewhat like if you have, say, operating system processes, like, say, on like Mac OS or Linux. They're completely isolated from another. So in each, in each process inside itself, you, you're, you're basically master of your domain, if you like. So it's the same sort of thing in Dart isolates. Inside a single isolate, you've just got a single thread. In fact, um, that's a very kind of key thing about uh, isolates in Dart is that only one thread can execute inside a isolate at any one time. It's kind of like one of the um, main kind of laws, if you like to do isolates and dart. Okay, and I have one more question that I I, I was always curious about. So uh, we mentioned that isolates are basically independent workers that are similar to threads, but do not share memory and they communicate via messages. Mm, but I think when we communicate via messages, there always that there needs to be some kind of medium medium through which the message flows, for example, when we communicate, like, or like, uh, just yes. to take an example, your, like the last episode, we talked about music and in order to hear music, uh, the medium is basically the air and that oscillates. And then we hear that and then we can basically interpret that. So what is the, so the VMs, uh, the, the isolates do not share memory, but they pass in messages, but where are those messages flying? <laughs> um, yes. Basically, uh, how, how does that happen? So, Yep, exactly. So uh, in Dart, the way those messages go in and out of isolates is via um, send and receive ports. And I guess the easiest way, like I don't actually, I haven't looked into the actual implementation of the send receive ports, but if you imagine them to be just um, streams, you know, like the streams that we're used to, um, in Dart, that's probably a good approximation, or at least that's my mental model. So, um, yeah, essentially the, there's these things called uh, send ports and receive ports, and mm -hmm. they're, a, they're basically a pair, if you like. So um, one end um, is like on one isolate and the other one gets given to like, so one is in the parent isolate, if you like, and the other one, the other end of the port is in the child isolate. And yeah, you, you put a um, message into the port on in the parent and it comes out in a child or vice versa. Like you, what you, one thing you can like, and this is kind of like, called like a little dance that if you want to have communication between two isolates, that's back, that's two way backwards and forwards. What you need to actually do is from the, um, child isolate, you pass back a port to the parent via um, the initial port, which was from uh, the parent to the child, and that establishes that two-way communication. So you have basically uh, a send port and a receive port going into the child and one coming out of the child back to its parent. And that's essentially how you, ha you can have two-way communication between them. Because uh, one thing I should also add is that there's a very limited number of things that you can pass through the send port. So uh, like up until very recently, it's been limited to essentially primitive. So uh, integers, uh, strings, and the ports themselves. So you can pass like uh, send receive ports through send receive ports. So hence, that's how you can set up that two-way communication. But otherwise you can't just pass any arbitrary um, object 
like of a particular class through them. It has there's very strict limits on what can go um, through like a send receive port. Okay, are maps supported, or would I need to just kind of find a way to serialize that maybe with JSON uh, and then send a string over? Yes, you can have uh, like as far as I remember, you can have maps. Um, but they then the items in that map have to be yeah. of is limited again okay, to okay. those of to the basically the primitive types if you like if you want to call it that. Okay, so it's kind of like with plugins that you you have a couple of so not everything is supported, but I don't know number integers, doubles, uh, exactly. strings, and maps of these things and list of these th- things are supported. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay, and okay, so now we kind of understand what isolates are and why are they important, uh, especially for Flutter developers or just also for Dart developers if maybe you are developing things on the backend or as command line applications. So how does uh, an isolate help me um, when I write my application? Yeah, well, the most common up, up until now, or even now, um, really most people use isolates for uh, essentially multi-threading, that they want to be able to do something on a background worker thread. Um, one thing I should mention is that it's, there's not a one-to-one correspondence between threads and isolates, but for the most part, you can think of that because um, there's a thread pool that the Dart VM manages and it just assigns threads to specific like isolates. But basically what people do is like, say you want to, you have some job that even though we're, you know, um, we have async await, like um, in Dart, what what you can't do is do compute heavy things because you're going to tie up the run loop. So say you've got to compress an image, for instance, in your Flutter app before you upload it. That That's the kind of case where it's a compute heavy kind of task. So you're going to tie up the main isolate, the main thread, um, if, if you go and run that in there. Um, and you're going to get like, you know, janky UI because you're tying up the thread that's also doing doing the UI work. So what um, people would use an isolate for is to ship that work off to like another isolate. The isolate runs on its own thread. It goes off and does that work and it's not tying up the main thread that's uh, updating the UI. So that's quite a, I, I guess, the more most common use case. It's also, I guess, other heavy kind of compute work versus IO work. So I, if you're doing IO, you can just use async await because you're not going to be blocking um, your run loop, your thread that's in the um, the isolate that's updating the UI in your Flutter app. But if you need to do compute-heavy work, you can't do that on that thread because otherwise that'll just bring your app to a grinding halt in terms of updating the UI. Okay, okay. And is there like a rule of thumb to know when bringing in isolates can potentially make things faster? Because... Uh, we can use another thread or an other another isolate to do the compute heavy things, but we also need to pass some information. So, um, how do I balance those things? Yeah, um, like the thing is, anything that you're going to compute that you think might take longer than the budget, like that, that 16 millisecond budget that we have to draw each frame for 60 fps. Any anytime you think you're going to have to compute work that's heavy enough that you might break that budget, that'll take longer. Um, then 16 milliseconds, that's when you need to use an isolate. It's not so much about um, speeding things up. It's more about like not blocking um, 
the main thread for too long okay. that it doesn't have time to do the update of the UI in for each frame, so in each 16 milliseconds. And I can also like spawn up many isolates and how do I know how many I should spawn up to to make make sure that my app is running smoothly uh, or does it so I'm basically curious if there is a connection between the number of cores that the processor has to the number of isolates that I should be spawning up yes so potentially like you don't want to do more like up until recently anyway I should say I guess that we'll get to that topic in a second um, yeah you'd, you'd want to use at most as many um, isolates as you have CPU cores because you're not going to be any more efficient like once you go over that number because at, at that point like your physical cores are going to be like if you've got say like you're computing pi to the millionth digit in each one, so something. Let's use that as an example. Like once you tie up all your um, CPU cores, you're maxing them out at like close to 100%. You're not going to get that result any faster if you start spinning up more isolates. So say if you've got four cores on your um, phone and you've tied them all up, like say using your main isolates on one core and then you've got three background isolates maxing out all the other cores. That, that, that's pretty much it. You're not going to get work done any faster than that. So there's really not much point uh, spinning up more isolates in terms of performance. Okay, okay. So you mentioned that up until now, this was true. So what changed? Yes. So in terms of, well, I, sorry, what I should have clarified is I should have said that, like not, not so much in terms of performance, but in terms of using isolates. Up until recently, what you paid for was like there was a cost in spinning up an isolate, like it, there was a certain time that it took to get an isolate running, but also there was quite a big um, memory overhead as well to using isolates. So that also encouraged people to essentially not create too many isolates. Sometimes you would want to keep them even less than the number of CPU cores because you had quite a big overhead that you had to pay in terms of um, memory usage as well as the time it took to spin up a, a new isolate. And likewise, there'd be the same sort of thing. Like you wouldn't want to create a new one, then shut it down, create a new one, and shut it down every time you need to do, say, some background work, because again, you'd be paying that penalty in terms of like startup time to get the isolate spun up. Okay, and is that still true? Uh, especially like the spin up time. Uh, so, would I still need to keep track of the isolates in like in an isolate pool or? Is that not that relevant anymore? Yeah, so uh, um, it is uh, unless you're using which um, isolate groups, which is this new functionality that's uh, come along recently. Uh, that and that was kind of like the topic of like my uh, talk in the community Flutter Engage section, which was yeah, like these what this new functionality um, allows is for much faster um, isolate creation times and also much lower memory overhead in um, having multiple isolates. So yeah, it, it's I think it's still marked as experimental or like it was um, when it was announced around Flutter and Gage um, earlier this year. Uh, recently, at least on the Dart side, it's become, it's gone from being like on, on the Dart master um, uh, branch. It's just recently gone from being like an optional flag to being like the default setting. So it's about to become like 
the default in um, Dart. So whenever the next Dart uh, beta ships and then the next Dart stable ships, that it'll progress through as being the default setting, at which point, like, um, yeah, what I've talked about just before will no longer be the case. Like uh, this new functionality, Dart isolates, uh, sorry, uh, Dart isolate groups really kind of changes the picture in terms of isolate um, overheads in Dart. Okay, and now that you mentioned that it's part of the... So is it part of Flutter or is that a general Dart thing? Because when I looked up the isolate group class, I ended up in a Flutter document. So is that part of Dart or is is, is it really just a Flutter thing? It's part of Dart, but I guess the key customer for it is Flutter because uh, I, I don't... This is not something that I know for a fact. This is just something that like, I'm guessing at. But from what I've seen, kind of like one of the primary uses for this new function that kind of like drove this new functionality, as far as I can tell, was Flutter wanting to be able to have multiple Flutter engines in a Flutter app at, with much lower overheads than they have been until um, until this new functionality came along. So I think it's mainly to do with you know the add to app um, functionality in Flutter where you can add Flutter to an existing uh, native, say, iOS or Android app. Uh, And so, um, like often people, I think, have wanted to have multiple Flutter engines because of the way that they're adding Flutter to, say, um, like an existing Android app. They they might want to have, like, multiple instances of Flutter, like, to match, like, multiple activities. So they might want to have two or more Flutter activities and so two or more Flutter engines. And previously, without this functionality, that brought a huge um, uh, memory overhead and I guess also like a startup overhead. So it discouraged people from doing that, even though that's like I think something that a lot of people wanted to do in terms of architecting their um, mobile applications with Flutter when they were adding it to an existing mobile app. So I think that's why it's considered an experimental feature in, in Flutter. I think it's still marked as such on the Flutter documentation page. but the, the actual isolate groups functionality is uh, in generic Dart. Like I've used it on Dart command line uh, applications. It's not something that's just for Flutter. Okay, okay. So um, I think I saw in, in your video that basically the memory overhead uh, is getting reduced. Uh, like it, it, it was reduced, especially when you scale up the isolates. And then I, I saw that you were spawning thousands of isolates. And could you, like, I, I didn't quite understand when I would like to do that. Um, so when do I need, yes. like, thousands of uh, isolates? So, um, uh, yeah. Probably not in your Flutter app is what I have to be honest about. Um, okay, so I okay. think I think this is confession time. Is that like um, the, my talk actually came out of work I was doing not for Flutter but for server side Dart. Um, I, I guess maybe if I could, if you can indulge me for a minute, I just need to sort of give a bit of background of what led me to look into this. So mm-hmm. um, this is where like uh, like what I mentioned previously about working at Ericsson comes in. Is that like in my first job, I had the opportunity to um, learn a language called Erlang. Um, and I, I didn't take it at the time because like uh, one of my friends, I was just basically straight out of uni, I asked him what this was and he said, oh, it's just some weird proprietary Ericsson stuff. You don't want to learn that. No one will give you a job after that. 
And ironically, um, a f- quite a few years later, um, it's emerged that Erlang's a fantastic um, system for building very highly concurrent systems. So famously, WhatsApp used Erlang um, for their back end where they had just a few engineers uh, supporting like essentially hundreds of millions of users. So um, it's it's a bit ironic that I didn't learn it back then, but I since then have uh, learned a little bit about Erlang and it's essentially uses the same actor model that I mentioned is uh, what Dart's isolates are modeled on. Um, they're just called a different thing in Erlang. But essentially, um, because I've been interested in that, when I spotted um, Dart isolates, uh, uh, I immediately thought, hmm, this looks very similar to what I know from Erlang um, processes. Uh, they're, they're very similar in terms of like they're completely separate. Um, they don't share, they don't have any shared memory. They communicate via message passing. So that's kind of what led me to be interested in isolates. And then when I found it, um, that the Dart team was working on this um, lightweight isolate, I think lightweight isolates is the name of the GitHub issue um, for that this was developed under, but like uh, isolate groups is the name, I guess, of the functionality. So um, when I got interested in that, I actually started uh, wanting to use that in a similar way to um, the way it's used in Erlang, like for backends, for highly um, or massively concurrent back. Um, Backend systems. So I was influenced by um, like a video that I actually saw, or a talk I saw by um, a developer called Sasa Yurik, who's I think quite well known in the Elixir and Erlang community. And it's called like the soul of Erlang and Elixir, where he does this to me quite amazing demo of the capabilities of Erlang and Elixir. Elixir is like another language for the Erlang runtime uh, on how like it can not so much be performant, but be extremely resilient to errors and failures and continue processing and doing work um, even in the face of like essentially what would be fatal errors in other systems. So, uh, yeah, I actually began doing like essentially an attempt to recreate as much of his talk as possible using um, Dart's isolates. And that's how I sort of came up with what ended up being the Flutter Engage talk because originally it was me trying to do a demonstration of using uh, Dart for um, backend system using uh, isolates in a similar manner that Erlang does. So that's why you see me doing like not just like 500 or 1,000 but like up to 10,000 <laughs> in yeah. my Flutter talk. Like it's completely overboard for any application I can think of in Flutter with isolates but – the intention was that I was originally doing it in the context of running um, a backend system with Dart. Then uh, can we again just go back to the actor model? Actor model. Sure, sure. Uh, and clarify what that means and what are like you, you mentioned that the Dart isolates uh, implement kind of the actor model, but what is the actor model? So what is part of the actor model and what is the the isolate like extra over that? Oh sure. So I'm probably going to get this um, wrong because, like, 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 like I said previously, like I don't actually have a formal kind of computer science training. So I just sort of have my own like mental models of things. Um, but yeah, essentially, the actor model is pretty much what a Dart isolate is. It's like it's it's just an independently running um, process, if you like, or um, thread of execution which has its own 
um, stack, its own uh, heap. So its own like um, it, its own essentially little universe, and it communicates between itself and other actors via uh, message passing. Uh, I've sort of, I guess, mixed up a bit of the implementation details with the kind of theoretical um, definition of what an actor model is. But in terms of Dart, isolates are essentially um, actors. They ha- they're kind of independently executing um, processes and they communicate with each other via messages. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's probably the best way I can describe it in terms of Dart, in Dart terms. Uh, I don't want to start describing in terms of like other languages like Erlang, which um, like probably people are not so familiar with. Then you also mentioned uh, resiliency or reliability. Uh, and I think you also mentioned, so, so how, how do isolates improve resiliency and yes. reliability? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because I, uh, this is kind of like one of my pet uh, favorite topics to talk about is that like, um, and this is like, I really highly, highly recommend people have a look at Sazirik's talk because it does a fabulous job of explaining this. But basically, if you think about it in terms of your average like Flutter or Dart program, let's talk about like Dart. So it's a, you're, you've got like a simple server side program. Any error like that happens, like, in your program, if you don't have a try-catch around that, that's going to essentially bubble up to the top and crash your process. And so normally that's considered a bad thing. Like, yikes, like a crash just like took out my, say, REST service or whatever um, you're building. Whereas like the Erlang philosophy is let it crash. And the reason they can do that is because every process, what they call process in Erlang, every actor, is it's um, completely isolated from any other one. So loss of one does basically very little to disturb the system. And it's the same thing with isolates. So, so imagine you have, say, a um, backend that is serving REST requests and responses. If you use just one isolate for uh, every incoming request, if something goes wrong, you, you wipe out basically your whole service. Whereas if you spin up a separate isolate to handle each request, and serve the response, what will happen is if one encounters some sort of fatal error or it goes into, a, say, like an infinite loop because of some bug that you have in the system, that single user's request will be affected, but the rest of the system will be completely unaffected. The nice thing with isolates in Dart also, and this is where it's, again, similar to Erlang, is they have a nice API between the child isolate and the parent isolate to inform the parent if the child isolate is no longer responsive or if it dies. So essentially, you can have a parent isolate that simply acts as somewhat like a router for incoming messages and just immediately hands it off to child isolates. Child isolates themselves could then have other children that they can hand off uh, specific parts of their processing. So for instance, maybe like um, talking to an external database or like um, say compressing an image before like returning it to uh as a response to the request. So if you basically subdivide your processing into as many isolates as make sense, like you essentially um, firewall off each possible failure from the rest of the system, which and which what that means is that the rest of the system can continue on processing and can cope with failures in any one little spot, if you like, and not be affected as a whole. 
hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of like where where I like having large numbers of isolates makes uh, sense is because as you can't part, I guess um, can't part, uh, I'm trying to say can't part mentalize um, the processing sort of like, you know, the, um, the classic thing of the Titanic where they had the compartments to like, I so say if, if they got, of course it didn't work for the Titanic, but in, in general, the principle makes good sense. Yeah. Like you have separate compartments and you can seal them off. So like the, uh, like a failure in one compartment is not going to sink your whole ship. And that's the same sort of principle, if you like. So each isolate is its own little thing. And if it fails, well, okay, that single request failed, but it hasn't taken out your whole system or it hasn't even affected the, all the other users of the system who are sending requests and getting uh, sending requests and getting responses from your backend, for instance. Okay, okay. I think I, I think I... S- understand it uh but maybe i might have one more question uh that um so for for example if just as a a very uh like a random example that um i'm running a dart server and i don't want any exception to bubble up and uh basically crash my process could i not just write a gigantic uh like try catch block catch anything that might happen and then if the exception happens then just start the function uh, again or that would i mean it sounds yes bad when i say this but would that not solve the resiliency and reliability problem it would but only in part so um that's that's an excellent um alternative but um and, and this is exactly the kind of um question um that's addressed in that uh, talk about the soul willing is um, you, c- you could you could try to do that and try and um, handle your errors that way. But for instance, that wouldn't help you if you had some sort of logic condition which uh, essentially creates an infinite loop, ties up um, your processing in such a way that it never returns. So, And that's exactly mm-hmm. like one of the examples he presents. Like one of the error cases is simply like a case where – uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, invalid input causes an infinite loop, and it, it does like tie up that one process. Like it basically maxes out the thread that's uh, executing that process at any one time. But the remainder of the system continues on um, basically as normal. Of course, if that happens over and over again, um, that will eventually degrade your system to an extent where it, it will stop functioning properly. But um, in terms of that sort of error, a, a huge try catch essentially wouldn't wouldn't help because essentially there's no, it never returns. It never throws an error. It just goes into an infinite loop and ties up. So kind of like a denial of a t- denial of service attack within your own code, if you like. Um, but also, you can imagine that that sort of thing happening when you're dealing with external services. Like, for instance, you talk to a database and you, for some reason you never hear back from that database. So unless you thought to put in a timeout um, on your connection to that database, like you might tie up like your uh, the thread of processing that for some period of time, potentially a very long period of time, whereas the, using an isolate protects the rest of your system from that kind of failure case. I think this now also. <laughs> I, I I hope thing, like I hope my 
like my mental model of this problem gets clearer and clearer. And uh, now I just wanted to come back to the basically thousands of uh, isolates that you can now spawn up. Uh, so first, when I was thinking about isolates, I was thinking about having uh, access to mm, basically more threads and being able to be more performant, um, which with thousands of isolates, like there, there is a limit where more isolates bring in like performance benefits, but uh, it still makes sense to spawn up hundreds or thousands of isolates, like depending on how many maybe requests or how many tasks you have uh, because of the resiliency, right? Or yes, and that, that was a point I, I tried to, I'm not sure I made very successfully in my uh, my own talk, but like um, Saza Yurik makes it very clear in his talk that um, it's it's all about resiliency and stability of the system versus performance. And what he says, it's more about um, the performance of the whole system versus the performance of any one, like um, say request response in the system. So it's more about that the whole um, the you essentially potentially because of the overhead of say scheduling like so many um, uh, isolates, you essentially probably pay a little bit of a penalty in terms of performance. But what why you do it is to get much better um, resilience and um, the ability to withstand error conditions. So um, as an example, like even though I talked about like thousands, like in Erlang, um, hundreds of thousands or even millions of uh, what they call processes, the equivalent of data isolates, if you like, is not uncommon. That's the kind of um, numbers that they talk about. Like uh, Dart, because it's, um, of course, I don't think it was ever intended to be a similar kind of system, it isn't quite yet capable of that sort of thing. But I did like push things much further, like in my... Um, command line application versus the Flutter one. And so, like, what I actually found was I, I, in my talk, like, I think 10,000 isolates with this new isolate groups um, with a, like, essentially just a slightly more than a hello world example took 350 megabytes of memory, whereas, like, just with the command line, um, it took about 250 because there wasn't all the extra um, classes that come with the Flutter uh, SDK. Mm -hmm. But then I pushed it um, up to 100,000. And like that took around 2.2 gigabytes, which sounds like a lot, but that's essentially like nice. you can think of as if you're doing, say, um, a chat web server, a uh, chat web service, that's like 100,000 concurrent users if you did one isolate per user. So that's already <laughs> quite, and like, you know, given the, like even our laptops have like, you know, uh, 16, 32 gig of RAM these days, like on a server, a 2.2 gig to handle potentially 100,000 concurrent um, users is not exactly a huge overhead. Um, from what I understand, like a similar sort of ballpark for 10,000 on Erlang is, I think is around um, 80 megabytes. So Dart, I think, is maybe like an order of two or three times more memory uh, hungry, if you like, than Erlang, which is a system that's, a runtime that's been optimized, I think, for a better part of, 25 or maybe even 30 years. So in that respect, I think Dart already does really well for this scenario. It's just that like um, none of the current backend systems, whether it's like Shelf or Aqueduct or Alfred or any of them, um, look at this sort of like scenario, I guess. They're more, I guess, focused at your more typical 
um, you know, REST API sort of scenarios. And so I think their use of isolates is very much having like a small pool. Primarily, I think, mm-hmm. because, like I said, up until this isolate groups feature shipped, you were going to pay a huge penalty in terms of overheads for using large numbers of isolates. But I'm hopeful, like, in the near future, that once this um, functionality makes it through to, say, um, Dart stable channel, um, perhaps those back-end frameworks will start looking at using this sort of thing for much better um, error handling and resilience uh, capabilities. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned Dart on the backend because basically I, what I wanted to ask that what doors or what possibilities or what options will this uh, open up for Dart on the backend uh, that now we can basically run a bunch of isolates uh, and like in terms of, of course, we don't have the uh, performance of Erlang, but I mean, if we can still be, I don't know, maybe 10% as effective as with Erlang, but we have a very simple language, uh, then it for some projects, it might still be a good alternative because then you have the simplicity of Dart with a good enough performance. Of course, not as performant yes. as Erlang or other languages, but uh, do you think that... So what kind of applications would that uh, benefit? Yeah, and actually, I, I think that, like, in terms of memory usage, like, Erlang's way better. And in terms of, like, scheduling, I think, uh, like, I actually filed a bug that, like, the Dart um, team member, Martin, who was working on this, fixed quickly about um, initially, like, the scheduling of large numbers of isolates uh, wasn't very uh, performant, but they've fixed that since now. So on that side, I think, like, yeah, Dart's not quite there. But in terms of raw performance, I think Dart would probably surpass Erlang, I dare say, um, because it compiled. We've got the option to, um, a, ahead of time, compile the code, which Erlang, as far as I know, doesn't. I, a lot of times, like, I've read articles, people using Erlang have had to resort to doing, like, essentially bits of native code, like we, like we would in Dart via FFI, to get better performance in terms of raw like compute performance that Erlang doesn't offer them. What Erlang, I think, brings um, to the table that makes it effective is just its ability to have that sheer huge concurrency. Um, But the kind of things that we could do is similar to what perhaps we'd use um, cloud services. I I don't know, maybe this is a bit um, heresy to say this, but potentially like you could be using um, Dart, if you're doing a Flutter app, to create like a very um, scalable backend for your mobile app if you're expecting to have, say, large numbers of users because it, c- it can essentially be providing the same sort of facilities that you'd use, say, a, we won't name names, but just like a cloud service provider where like one of their big selling points is the fact that they can scale from zero to huge numbers of um, users. Well, this sort of functionality could do the same thing for your um, back end of your Flutter app if you need to be able to do that kind of large scaling for large numbers of concurrent users. Say maybe you've got some, um, I'm just trying to think, like maybe some sort of um, communication inside your Flutter app, like some maybe some sort of chat service um, that you need. Uh, this this would be perfect for that sort of thing, I think. The only problem is, is that the infrastructure that's been developed over like multiple decades in Erlang just isn't there in Dart. And it's not there on like even, I guess, more standard um, web services that might, people might be building um, 
in things like Node as well. Like, it's, like I think you've talked about this before on your podcast that the ecosystem around um, server-side Dart isn't quite as mature as it is in other platforms. But I think like for a team that's already building things like in Dart because they're building a Flutter app, it could make sense to build um, their backend services in Dart as well and not worry that they wouldn't be able to scale to very large numbers of users. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I talk a lot about Dart outside of Flutter as well. And I, I think that was one thing that maybe some sometimes when I talk about Dart on the backend, I fail to you know highlight is that I think Dart would make a lot of sense for teams who use already Flutter or um, maybe Dart on the web, though now Flutter web is, I don't know, more high, like it's, it's going to be more important than, for example, Angular Dart. But I think for, especially for small teams who it could be so beneficial to have uh, Dart and just using one language because it's so difficult to switch basically mentally from like Node.js or even like Go syntax to Dart. Um, and I think that's one thing that I forgot to mention in all of the episodes that I have um, about this topic is that mm, when you, of course, if you have like uh, microservices on the backend or, or like the more important part is that on the backend, you already have existing systems with teams and there are team members that on, only write Java the whole day or they only write Go the whole day. Then, of course, I don't recommend to replace Dart uh, and bring that in as a new technology. But uh, I think it Dart could be like a very good default for like for all kinds of projects. Um, and then maybe if you one day discover that the performance is not there, then you can still, you know, you can pick a different technology if it's really necessary, but it might not ever come to that point. Um, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to mention that because, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, any yeah, no, I, I, thoughts I about that? Yeah, I, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd very much agree with that, uh, Vince. Especially um, that that uh, thinking about not having to context switch between multiple languages. I've worked on projects where um, the mobile team has had what they called experience APIs, where they owned like uh, backend APIs that essentially aggregated other backend uh, systems specifically for use by the mobile apps. And yeah, like there's quite a cost that you have to pay when it's a completely different language, completely different runtime um, to what you're building your mobile app in. Like in that case, it was a native um, a set of native apps. And so like the difference was between doing native development and Android and iOS and like Node on the back end. But because the mobile team owned those APIs, that's what the mobile developer developers had to do was they had to context switch when they had to deal with their own backend versus working on the mobile apps. So for that kind of situation with a Flutter team, like to me, it would make very good sense. Like if you don't have dedicated backend developers and it's the uh, mobile developers looking after whatever backend they need, yeah, like I, I think it makes perfect sense to look at using Dart versus having to deal with multiple technologies that those developers have to be across. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um then now as da uh, flutter runs in on desktop uh, on ios android and it also runs on web but 
uh, I think today uh, Flutter applications still, I think they, I, I'm not sure about this, but uh, it, it will be still just compiled to JavaScript. Um, then what happens with the isolates on the web? That's a very good question. <laughs> Uh, I have to admit uh, ignorance there because um, I've done only a tiny bit of uh, Flutter uh, web um, and I definitely didn't do anything with isolates um, on that project. I think it maps across to web workers. Um, that would be my kind of off the top answer, off the top of my head answer. But look, to be honest, uh, I, I, I still find Flutter Web quite immature, so I haven't really done very much with it. Um, to okay, be okay. Yeah, that's. I think I I looked into it. So I wanted to ask just to make sure. Uh, I did yeah. a quick search on that, and I think isolates are not supported. I don't know what happens if you put isolates in your application and then just try to compile your Flutter for, like build your Flutter application for web. I didn't actually run the example, but I believe um, isolates are are not going to work on web. Um, yeah. And I think that, and it's very good that you mentioned service workers um, because that's what I would have wanted to ask you uh, next, that if isolates don't work on web, could could I basically just provide a class that uh, falls back to service workers on a web? Um, but then I guess I will need to. <laughs> we will need to figure that out uh, after yeah. the episode. The interesting thing is, like, I, like I said, like I haven't done web development for quite some time, so I'm a bit out of the loop. So I I, I know about like uh, web workers was like kind of like um, the last time I looked at it, but web workers. Um, in web browsers, actually, again, sim- very similar kind of model. They, again, a very similar actor style model, where they are background threads, but they're essentially completely isolated, and you can only communicate be- with them through message passing. So, I think it's a similar conceptual model. But yeah, like to be honest, I have no idea how you'd make use of that um, in like a Dart or Flutter web app. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now I. In the last episode, when we talked about Dart, Dart, Wasm, and Assembly Script, I was now that we were talking about isolates, not put in, like I would encourage everyone to look it up uh, if isolates are supported by web or not. Um, but my guess is that they are not supported yet. But mm. then would the Wasm and when, in case uh, one day the Dart's ability to compile Dart to Wasm? Then that might also help with basically web and isolates. That's yes. I'm just speculating. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think that's probably the best chance for it to be supported if it's not at the moment. Um, one thing I, I probably should say is that um, the thing uh, pr- probably I should have mentioned this actually when we talked about um, WebAssembly in more detail was uh, the big difference is the uh, lack of. Um, uh, garbage collection. Now, um, currently, that's an impediment for Dart to be on uh, t- to be compiled to WebAssembly. But on the other hand, it's it's a great asset for assembly uh, for WebAssembly when you want uh, code that you know needs to be performant enough that it won't have pauses for garbage collection. Because, um, as far as I understand it, in um, 
dart isolates like each because each one has its own thread uh, garbage collection pause in one isolate won't affect other isolates because they're off running on their own threads the thread that's running in that like i said uh, um, an isolate can only have one thread executing within it at one time so that means if an isolate if there's garbage collection happening in one isolate um, I, it won't affect the uh, the other isolates it won't stop them running so that's kind of like one aspect where um, potentially the combination of isolates and WebAssembly could be useful in the future is like when you want to be absolutely sure that you don't have um, pauses for garbage collection. Like there's probably not many use cases for your run-of-the-mill flutter apps, but perhaps for people who are doing um, things like I talked about, like audio applications or um, games where like having a pause for garbage collection is going to be a problem, then being able to have either stuff running in a separate isolate where you won't affect the others or having like code running in uh, WebAssembly where you know there won't be garbage collection is quite useful. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I, I'm so glad that we could talk and I really appreciate that you took the time to record two episodes Uh because I think both of these topics are so interesting and also they don't get talked about uh, that much. So uh, I don't, I, I feel like every, every uh, everyone likes to talk about UI and I don't uh, state management, which are of course all important topics. Uh, but I, I, I am so glad that we could also talk about uh, isolates and uh, VASM and things like that. Um, yeah, no, I, look, I really appreciate the opportunity to, yeah, talk about not one, but two of my like pet topics. It's been really a great experience and I really appreciate um, having the chance to do that with you, Vince. Yeah. Um, I think it's, we are now kind of wrapping up this episode. Uh, but I wanted to ask before that, uh, is it, is, is there some topic, like, is there some question that I forgot to ask or is there a point? Do you have a point that you wanted to make about isolates that uh, maybe we forgot to uh, mention or highlight? Um, not especially in terms of isolates, but just one thing I ran into, uh, I just wanted to very quickly mention, because I know we've been going for a while now, um, is Dart currently doesn't have a REPL, like, um, which is quite common, like, you know, and other things like uh, Node. And like one thing I found when I wanted to try and recreate that demo with um, Dart Isolates was also part of the Erlang demo. He um, essentially fired up a REPL into his running environment and started debugging things. And this is something I've wanted in like both my Flutter and like Dart applications for a while. And it's actually not quite that it wasn't, the reason there's no Dart REPL <laughs> is the fact that it's not very easy to do one. But there was um, one of a Googler who a few years back actually made a proof of concept and I've started um, to try and pick up that and modernize it because I think there is quite a few use cases for having a REPL for Dart, both in Dart command line and um, Flutter applications. So uh, that's what I'm starting to work on. So if anyone's interested in that, um, please do get in touch with me because I'd love to collaborate um, with other people on that. I think it would oh, be okay. a very useful addition. Yeah, and... Can we clarify what REPL is? So I think it's read, evaluate, Eval. print loop. So it's... That's right. Um, so so it's a, I think in... Yeah, 
please go ahead. No, no, that, you were doing a great job. I was, assi- I was going to say, <laughs> that's essentially it. Yeah, so uh, I think in Node.js and Python, uh, you can basically just uh, start a program where you can run your scripts and then it will basically evaluate um, your commands that you are writing and then it will print out the results. And I, I think there are even like online tools that let you do that for many, many languages. I think there was REPL it. So, um, and there are there are a couple of, websites that let you basically just type uh, a couple of commands and print like basically evaluate your commands and print the results um yeah did you want to uh mention something i I, sorry i interrupted you no no sorry i was interrupting you um that no that's exactly it that's um i think it would just be really useful to have that functionality because like you said like node python um lots of languages um have that functionality and i i think i do find that i often wish i could do that um you can kind of do that like with the dev tools like because there's the evaluate um like little box that when you're paused on a breakpoint that you can evaluate an expression um but using uh that is not the best in all cases so yeah i i think just having that functionality in Dart would be nice. There are a kind of a couple of roadblocks that have stopped people in the past from doing that, but I have a few ideas on um, potentially getting that to work. So yeah, like I'm, I'm that this I have a lot of projects on the go, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get to it um, anytime soon. But it's one thing I'd really like to um, try and progress and get uh, working with Dart because I think it would be useful for a lot of different things. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, awesome. Uh, then. I think it's time to wrap things up, unless you have anything else to mention. Uh, no, no, that definitely is it. Thanks very much, Vince. <laughs> okay. Uh, could you... Uh, so I think um, I, I will just leave links to everything. I mean, I will try... I will do my best to leave links to every external resources that we mentioned, uh, YouTube videos and presentations and GitHub issues. Um, and... Just also to, I think, your to your social uh, links, so Twitter and your blog as well. Um, yep. And yeah, then I would like to thank you for joining, uh, uh, especially for, like it's two episodes. Uh, I am really excited about, I don't first, of course, I need to edit and schedule these episodes, which is, of course, always, uh, it takes some time, but I'm really excited about having recorded these episodes. Uh, and just wanted to thank you again for joining. Oh, and thank you very much for the opportunity. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, then I think it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> uh, then bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do me a favor and recommend the episode to your friends. Both online and in-person recommendations are appreciated. So share either on social platforms such as Twitter and LinkedIn, or just mention the podcast to your coworkers and software developer friends. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss the next episode. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also listen to the podcast directly from your web browser on flutter101.dev, that is flutter101.dev. You will also find an RSS feed there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. 
It only takes a couple of seconds and can help the podcast reach a bigger audience. Have a great day and see you next time.